Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Marshall, and I'm the associate pastor of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. And my name is Tim, and I'm finishing up my cookie. (laughs) Tim and I stumbled upon a bag of frozen cookies in the freezer, and uh, we're finding that it just takes a little extra work to get through them. I'm pretty sure they're there for moms and munchkins. Yeah. There's no way Carol's giving that to the kids. <laughs> well, especially now that we've eaten them. Yeah, exactly. But well, Tim, just like a frozen cookie, oh, requires a little extra work to really oh. chew through. We're going to be chewing through some pretty tough stuff in our very last episode in our journey through the Bible. Groundhog's Day. Cuz we did this yesterday. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we, yeah, this is this is take two. Yeah, yesterday we had this big celebration. It's our last yeah. episode. We were all excited about it, congratulating one another. Yeah. Got to the very end of it and realized we were only recording Marshall's mic. Yeah. yeah. Which probably means you were getting the better of the stuff, but still awkward to hear half a conversation. Oh, that's so kind of you to say, Tim. Well, yeah. yeah, it was kind of one of those things where we get done, it's like high fives all around, which is just really one high five because there's only two of us, but whatever. And then, yeah, and then... Turns out we got to start from scratch. <laughs> and rather than just restart right then and there, we're like, let's just, let's sleep before we have to do this again. Take two. So here we go. Second Timothy. Well, no, wait. Oh, forest For- and trees. Forest and trees. We got to do forest before we do the trees. Yeah. So the forest, where are you at with the forest, Tim? Uh, I can remember. We what- will overcome. Yeah. Right. But, because there's a lot of talk about what's wrong. Not not just in Revelation, but in all of it, there's a lot of talk about false teachers and what's wrong and what we avoid, always with the promise of, but in Christ we overcome. Nice. Yeah. And uh, for you. For me, uh, one of the things that I saw reference to in all of the books we're going to go through today, and there are several, is the warning against false teachers. Right. It's almost as though now that the foundation has been laid— Right, we we we've gone through the gospels and the epistles and the the doctrinal truths that unite us in faith have been laid out explicitly. It's almost like the final warning from Scripture is a is a warning against those who will twist it or those who will deviate from it or who already are. Yeah, according well, that's to re- the first century church. Yeah, right? that's a reality too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like not only is is false teaching a problem today. But it was a problem from the very get-go. Right. So so the attitude that, that oftentimes people want to come at it with is, let's just ignore it, let's not talk about it, and let's move on. But that's not the attitude of Scripture, right? That That's not to say that we spend our whole lives and all of our ministries as watchdog groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, when ministry calls for it, we've got to call it out. Yeah, for sure. Right. So 2 Timothy, 2 Peter, 3 Johns, a Jude— and a revelation. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you were saying Lindsay didn't believe that we could get through it. Right. <laughs> we're going to prove her We're going to do it. We know we can because we did it yesterday. That's right. That's right. So, 2 Timothy, the final book that Paul writes. The end. He is waiting for his execution. Mm-hmm. And he is writing to Timothy, who is like his spiritual son, his prodigy. The one he has mentored for so long. Right. And he has some final words for him, right? Where First Timothy is very instructional on like the organization of the church. Second Timothy is a bit more personal for Timothy himself. Yeah. And this is why I think there's a, <clears throat> I mentioned this before. This is why I think there's a, a, an interesting chronology happening here, right? So historically what's taking place. Uh, I, I hold to the idea uh, of some that Paul is in prison twice. Okay. That there is the imprisonment that's mentioned in Acts, for which he's going to be acquitted. Everyone in Acts who has any judgment on him seems to be ready to acquit, mm. right? There's no charge against him. Why does he even want to talk to Caesar, right? This is not a thing. <laughs> he says he wants to go to Spain. Yeah, there's a church history that talks about him head that way. Uh, mm. Whether it's accurate or not, who knows? Uh, 
But then, but then coming back and in his second imprisonment, where he's actually going to face his execution, um, that is when he's writing this. Because the tone of it is so very different than the prison epistles, mm. right? When you look at uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, it's very encouraging, very, hey, go do your thing, Philippians, you know, hey, we're in this together, but it's great because I'm witnessing to all these people. Um, this is very much sort of, no, this is the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not to say that he's devastated or weighted down by it. No. The beauty of this book, I, I love this book because my parents named me after my dad, who's Tim, didn't want me to be junior, so I'm Timothy Baxter Elmore II. So I am Second Timothy. <laughs> that was my reg- original reason for loving it. Okay. My now reason, my more adult reason for loving it, is because you take someone like Paul, who says, to the most beloved person I've ever raised up in the faith, these are my last words. Hmm. To me, that just says, we got to know what this guy's got to say. Yeah, for sure. And it's big. Yeah, for sure. So he essentially is just tasking Timothy to continue what has been entrusted to him, right? He has been brought up. He has been taught. He has been equipped. He has been entrusted with the oversight of churches. Mm -hmm. And Paul wants him to just continue in that. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Follow the pattern that I've set for you, right? And trust what I've taught you. Teach that to others who will then teach others. Like, let's let's make sure there is a, a line of continuation here. Right. Right? This is important. Yeah. Right? And and to to your Forrest uh, mention, he talks about false teachers in part by name, mm-hmm. calling them out. Yep. He also talks about them to say, this is the description that you're going to be looking for when you see a false teacher. These are the things that are going to inspire them to be teachers of the word. A lot of times we look at false teachers and we think, well, the guy's using the Bible and he's standing there in front of the group mm-hmm. and he's, what's he doing differently than you? In fact, that guy's wearing a suit. <laughs> you're not wearing a suit, <laughs> right? I, 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 all right, I'm gonna tell a story. Okay, Th- tell this me. is a telling on me story. Twice in my career, as a pastor in Canada, I have had a guest come up to me and say, you are a great preacher. You remind me of Creflo Dollar. Oh, man. Now, I don't think that the two of us could be any different. <laughs> Creflo, Creflo Dollar is the one who's going to say this. Hey, I, if, if I want to believe God for a $10, $20 million plane, you mm-hmm. can't stop me. Right. And I would be like, well, I'm not going to stop you for believing <laughs> for it, but I am going to stop you there and say, that's terrible theology. <laughs> right? He is, he is as his name, which is actually his birth name, as his name would insinuate, a prosperity gospel at his finest. He's all about the dollar. And... <laughs> And it could not be more different for me. But <laughs> but what we're doing, I guess, on the surface to someone who's maybe not listening deeper to a message appears the same. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> in both cases, you know, you sit there and you're like, oh, that's very sweet of you. Thank you. And then they drop the name and you're like, what? <laughs> All right, everyone back to your seats. We're going to do this whole thing over again because this guy wasn't listening. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... That's how deception works. Mm. It parades as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. It is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. And so he says these are, the, these are the distinguishing markers that are going to help you understand them. Things like they're lovers of self, they're lovers of money, they're greedy for gain. Mm-hmm. Right? These kinds of things. Um, and so, yeah, those distinguishing factors of what constituted the inspiration for false teachers in the first century, mm-hmm. it could have been written yesterday. Sure. It's yeah. it's absolutely relevant. Yeah. And what Paul's saying this, like, while you are staying true to what I've called you to do, while you are faithfully preaching what you know from the scriptures, there is going to be 
a movement or movements in the church where where they will reject sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Like just so you know, like j- like you know, just to warn you, this is going to happen, and these people are going to accumulate false teachers for themselves. Right. And again, this was relevant in the time of Timothy, but it could be written about today. Yeah, we right. get the leaders we deserve. Mm-hmm. Right. If when we are going to bring people into power that are what we want from leaders, whether that be for our demise or our benefit, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that's that's what's going to happen. We are going to elevate and listen to people who tell us what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's important, he is telling Timothy here, not to fall into that trap, yeah. right? In 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3 and 4 are, are just fantastic. Mm. But... He tells him all of this is going to go wrong, mm-hmm. right? They are going to go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But. Mm-hmm. As for you. But as for you. And, and the whole thing flips on a hinge, and he just encourages him, don't fall into it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might grow in popularity. Yes, you might gain these things that these, that are inspiring these other false teachers. Stay out of it. Stay true to the faith. Mm-hmm. Continue on, my mm-hmm. spiritual son. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah, you have the scripture. You have what is sufficient for you to do your job. So do it. And then essentially he has a last goodbye, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, my my time is coming to an end. I'm ready to be poured out. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Yeah. He told the Philippians, it's it's for you that I have to stick around. And now he's telling Timothy, hey. I don't have to stick around. <laughs> All right, Second Peter. So this is the we went through First Peter last week, I believe. Second um, Peter, once again, reading through it, I was just really impressed by Peter's language, just mm-hmm. the, the way he describes things, the way he ties things together, is very. It's very beautiful. It's it's maybe less technical and organized than Paul, right? But it's. It's just really wonderful. And, you know, you could almost forget the guy's a fisherman. <laughs> right? He's just so... Well, David was a shepherd. I guess you're right. Yeah. Some people, if you got it, you got it, Marshall. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. So Peter calls the church to confirm their calling, to confirm their election. And that is done through obedience, which might concern some people, but but it's not earn your calling and earn your election. It's right. to confirm it. Right? Not to obtain, mm-hmm. but to prove. Yeah. And, and prove to yourself, I think, in part. In part, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I, I've talked about it before, that, that moment when I was standing in front of a church preaching and realized— <laughs> You're checking to see if my mic's on. In <laughs> uh, preaching and, and realizing that God was calling me to international missions in the middle of my own sermon, mm-hmm. right? I, I've, I've told that story a couple of times before. Part of my understanding for why I needed to go was for myself, to just to know for myself, hey, this is not—it's not sin if I don't go. Mm-hmm. I never felt that way. But to be able to say, this is an opportunity for me to lay myself aside and prove that I will go anywhere and do whatever. Mm. And and I'm going to take that because practicing obedience is a way to grow ourselves spiritually, mm-hmm. right? It, 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 it does build us devotionally. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, and, and you're right. That's what Second Peter is talking about by and large. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has his stuff to say about the false teachers. He has well. a lot to say about false teachers. He uses some colorful descriptions and uses examples from the Old Testament and essentially says, look, judgment is going to come on these people because the day of the Lord is coming. Right. But he doesn't make any like strong pres- uh, predictions, right? Because by this point, people have been waiting a little while mm-hmm. and maybe they've already expected it to come. And some people we know in the church have said that it's already happened, uh, which, you know, was not the case. Um, and he's like a thousand years is like a day. Don't forget guys, right? This, this might take a while. Just stay true to the knowledge that you've been given. Right. Right. Um, first John, first John, let me, John is great at writing introductions. 
He is. The Gospel of John yes. and the Epistle of First John yeah. are just great introductions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, he gets, he's a little quick with it, Second and Third John. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> I have this ridiculous theory <laughs> okay. that John only had so much parchment. Mm-hmm. He needed to get the word out to a couple of different people. Uh, first John, I think, ends kind of abruptly. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't sort of like coast to an end like most of the epistles do. Uh, so maybe he looked at it and he was like, "Oh man, I've got two more letters to write, and I'm already out of paper. <laughs> I better just shut this down here." And then while he was still in that mindset, just like because Second John and Third John are basically First John condensed. Right. <laughs> it's like Second John is P.S. and Third John is like. PPS. Right. It, it keeps getting shorter, <laughs> but it's all basically the same. And second and third John end with, you know what? Forget it. I'll just tell you more when I see you. Right. <laughs> and there, I mean, there are a handful of things uh, throughout the three epistles of John. There, there's a couple of like statements or concepts that really encapsulate the whole thing. Yep. Right. Uh, God is light. Be in the light. Be in the light. You want to be in the light? Prove it. He is in the light. Yeah, love you your... shine like the stars in the heaven. <laughs> That's First John, like two, I think. Oh Lord, you need be my to... light and be my salvation. Yeah, all I want is to be in the light. <laughs> you may stop now. Yes, please. Um, and then love for your brothers, right? Like that—that that is key, mm-hmm. right? Like you need to love one another. Walk in the light, love one another, mm-hmm. and overcome. Mm-hmm. Those are the three themes of First John, mm-hmm. and yeah, and Second and Third John. I mean, essentially, are just kind of just kind of play that out. You know, Third Third John deals with this guy Diatrephes, who's a bit of a jerk, doesn't want to support missionaries. Yeah, so that guy. Yeah, you know that that <laughs> idea of overcome. If you think back, like that's in the opening of the Gospel of John as well. Yeah, the darkness has come against, but does not overcome yeah right so that's it's interesting to see in these epistles where that also shows up in the gospel mm-hmm. right the similarity in in the writing oh yeah because there's a lot of john today right like three epistles and a revelation yeah but first we got to go to jude jude brother of jesus yeah um, brother of james interesting that he connects himself to james and not jesus well by this point He's recognized who Jesus Christ is, so he probably is probably an act of humility to not for say. sure. Yeah, and James is the leader of the first century church mm-hmm. um, in in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So, not not James, son of Zebedee, other James. Right, that James is gone by now. Yeah, he's he's dead probably. Um, deals with false teachers is the main thrust of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, it's got both. It's got the the, the Colgan's false teachers, the um, hidden reefs, or the clouds without rain. Clouds without rain, autumn trees without fruit. Mm. That is the way he'd, and and this is very much in line with what Paul is saying in Second Timothy, mm-hmm. right? Because in Second Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, they will, uh, they will have the appearance. Of righteousness and the appearance of godliness. That's what it is. The appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Mm. Right? So it looks like good Christian teaching, but it doesn't contain the gospel. Right. And it is the gospel of Christ, mm-hmm. Romans 1 tells us, that Paul is not ashamed of because it is the power of God unto salvation, first yeah. for the Jew and then to the Gentile. So it looks like preaching but it's not the gospel Mm -hmm. repent and rely on christ Mm -hmm. because you're saved by grace through faith that's the gospel if it looks like preaching but it doesn't contain the gospel then it has the appearance of godliness but denies its power Mm -hmm. so that's what paul tells us jude says the same thing right Mm -hmm. what's the power of the cloud that it brings life-giving rain Mm -hmm. but if it doesn't then it's just cloud right or the fruitless tree. Mm-hmm. Why do we grow the tree? Because it's going to give me apples. If it doesn't produce apples, cut it down. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just in the way. Right. Um, and so, yeah, 
I love those love those images. Yeah. Like, Clouds of that rain is a powerful one. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody's interested, I mean there's a he gives kind of a profile of what these guys look like. Right? Some of the things they do. They pervert grace, yeah. rely on their dreams, reject authority. Similar similar to Paul's uh profile, but not exactly the same. No, no. There's some there's some differences there. Yeah, and, and I would say just resources on this, this sort of thing, if you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I'm supposed to be, but what do I, how do I go about that? Mm-hmm. There's a, a particular ministry called Clouds Without Rain, or a documentary, I think, Clouds Without Rain, okay. uh, that should be available on YouTube. Um, there is also the American Gospel, which yeah. was, if it isn't still, on Netflix. It was, yeah. And I would, I would point you to that uh, at one point, the local CRC was going to join with us, and we were going to try to do a, a joint showing of the American Gospel. We have it in the church library if you don't have Netflix and you want to watch it. Yep. It's around here somewhere. Come get it. Um, we're both looking around the room like we're going to spot it. But, it's it's behind me somewhere. Uh, and so so those those documentaries do a great job, not just of making a list, like don't listen to this guy, this guy, or this guy. Instead, you should listen to this guy, this guy, this guy, Tim and Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not <laughs> like that. Uh, but in some ways it is. It, it shows more the the idea and the messages that are the modern rendition of this ancient evil. Right? Right. <laughs> I was just you were timing right. that out to throw it to you right when you took a bite I of got that a frozen chocolatey goodness. Frozen cookie. It's, they're starting to thaw out now, so they're a bit easier to chew. All right, let's get to the big boy, Tim. Revelation. Mm. Singular. Singular. Revelation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to... Yeah, never mind. John's Revelation. That's right. Here's the thing about Revelation. What's the thing? Tell me. The thing about Revelation is this. We can run into two camps on this that are both too far. Mm. We can... We can make it the focus of everything that we say and do, right? Like we're going to dive deep into Revelation. The other stuff is just understood. Yeah, the Gospels, the Epistles, the Old Testament, that's just sort of understood. We'll go to those when Revelation sends us there. Right. Right? That's taking Revelation too far. Yeah. Because we want to code crack. We want to know the future. Right. Right. Uh, which I would argue can fall like, like this is not to say we don't study it, but I would say if, if you feel like revelation is just really what gets your blood going, Mm. right? I mean, it's what every youth group, what do you guys want to talk about next? Let's do revelation. Um, I will never do revelation. No, No, I'm just just kidding. (laughs) I was going to say, because part two of this is, um, so, so if it's really what gets you going, you got to ask yourself the question, why? Hmm. Is there something inside of you that says, I struggle to live by faith and I'm a little bit anxious and, and I feel like if I can study this and I can code crack, then I can live by sight. Hmm. That's a dangerous place to be spiritually. And, and so I would, I would say guard against that. There's also a, a thing that I fell into for a number of years, which was almost despising revelation hmm. to say all of that is about stuff to come. It's all pretty cryptic. I'm going to deal with the stuff that I know I can wrap my head around. And once I've got this perfected, then I'll have time for Revelation. Yeah. Revelation is the only book of the Bible that says, read this and read it to everyone else. Yeah. So Make that, sure that it's read. Yeah, you are blessed. The one who reads it is blessed. The right. one who hears it is blessed. Um, yeah, and, and the reason for that is because even those things that are cryptic, even those those images that we struggle to understand what they mean exactly, um, like those things aren't all of the book of revelation. No, it is a very worshipful book. Yeah. There's a lot of really excellent stuff here. And so in light of that reality, you know, we discussed how we want to encourage the readers to not get hung up on the code cracking side of things this time through revelation. Sure. Put it on the shelf. Yeah. We're not saying that, that, that it's of no value to try and understand and unpack those things. But for this time, as we are going this 30,000 foot view, this very quick read through the scriptures, we want people to see the big picture. Right. The big picture that this is the culmination of God's plan Mm -hmm. and to see how that unfolds and see how the the believers, the church, the saints are responding to that as it plays out. Right. Right. Because it is a beautiful thing. Right. 
And and I, I think sometimes we feel like, oh, well, well, we're responsible for understanding the Scripture, and so it's it's my responsibility. We have this, this guilt upon us if we're not trying to crack code on this. But at the same time, I, I would say read this and ask yourself, which God do you serve? Do you serve a God that says, I am in the process of redeeming my creation back to myself according to my will and in my time? Mm. And I will give you a revelation throughout all of Scripture, a special revelation, of what that looks like. Mm. Or do you serve a God that says, it's by grace that you're saved through faith because of the finished work of Christ— but I got a couple of riddles for you. Hmm. And if you don't get them right, you're in trouble. Yeah. Right? That's not the God that we serve. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so we have to stay away from that mindset as we approach Revelation. Yeah. Because it can creep in. Yeah. And what I've heard from some people, some people that are very close to me, in fact, is that— um, those who claim that we can't fully grasp all of the mystery are somehow less spiritually astute. It's like how like some of the disciples, like the disciples were given the interpretation of the parables because they truly, you know, they truly followed. But if, if you don't, if you can't just read through this and be able to point to each and everything that each, you know, each beast and each plague and each thing means, then somehow you are missing the mark. Yeah. And that's just, that's just simply not true. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't jive with a lot of those guys. A lot of the people that come out and they're like, well, this means this, and this means this, and this was this particular historical event, and this will be this particular historical event, something like that, right? Yeah. Like, it it just, it never has worked. Yeah. It's been tried since the very beginning of the book. People have been doing that. Mm-hmm. For instance, those people who are like, the seven churches are periods of time. Right. Every group has said, and we are Laodicea. Yeah, they've been saying that for like hundreds of years. Right. No one no one ever says, we're Smyrna and there's more to come. Right. Right? Uh, and, so, and so historically we have seen that not pan out. Right. I also believe that, that the reason God shows us only so much of this and not all of it is because his concern is that we grasp the basics of it Mm -hmm. and not the details of it. Mm -hmm. The basics of revelation are this God's will will come to its full for those who are found to be in Christ. It will be wonderful Mm. for those who are found to be apart from Christ. It will be tragedy upon tragedy more than could be imagined. Yeah. So be in Christ. Yep. That's what revelation is about. And that's that's how I want you to try reading it this time. Yeah. Read it quickly, read it in that mindset, mm-hmm. and and I think you'll find that it's far more worshipful. It's almost solemnic mm-hmm. in in the way that it just sort of draws you mm-hmm. to the worship of God and your relationship with Him. Yeah, right. It, it's really beautiful in that way. If we can just get past the trying to <laughs> trying to figure it out, right? Yeah, yeah. So we start with you know. The, the story of how John receives this vision from Christ. We get the letters that we reference to the seven churches. I mean, interesting things about all these churches is the, we get a title of Christ in each mm-hmm. one, a unique title of Christ. Based on their situation, there is a correction or a warning. Either For most of them, it's you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one of them in particular, it's simply you're about to be persecuted. Uh, but then there's also a call to endure, a call to overcome, a call to repent, and then a promise or reward right. that is ended, right? And so that is kind of, and in some sense, like, that just, those things are applicable to all churches, right? Like, like that's the reason why each letter was sent to all the other churches, because, yes, in, in their current context, you know, you know, Laodicea was dealing with this and Philadelphia was dealing with that. But these are just common issues that exist, have existed throughout church history in a variety right. of churches. I mean, we could find this even in our own context to some degree. Yeah, and it's funny because sometimes we'll do the whole, like, you'll see the historicist, which is a version of reading particularly 
these seven churches, mm-hmm. who will come at it and they'll say, this is what has happened historically. This is how it lines up with all the periods of time in history. We are Laodicea. And then a few weeks later, they'll be like, church in Ephesus abandoned their first love. Don't abandon your first love. Right, right. Right? And you're <laughs> like, well, hold on. I ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah. Right? In, in all of these things, right, we, we see churches now that have abandoned their first love. We mm. see churches now that are participating in sin mm-hmm. of that woman Jezebel, uh, <laughs> or or condoning, not even participating, mm-hmm. but just not condemning it. Right, right, and 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 so all of the things that take place are things that are just common to the corporate human nature, and this is them. This is Christ's way of encouraging churches: do what is right, avoid what is wrong. Yep. So from there, we get into kind of transition into the throne room. And John has this vision of the heavenly throne, and it's very similar to some of the Old Testament pictures that we see in Isaiah and Ezekiel. And there's the throne, and there's the creatures, and there's the elders, and they're casting down their crowns, which I, I just found interesting because a lot of the rewards mentioned in the, the letters of the churches describe crowns. And it's like these rewards that that these elders have received for their faithfulness is something that like in the presence of the Almighty God, they just they take them off. Right. So so when the Bible talks about the reward we have coming, Mm. we see at least in these elders Mm -hmm. a forfeiture of that. Yeah. To say I've received that reward, but I'm not wearing it around. Yeah. For people to be like, wow, check him out. Yeah. This belongs to you. Sure. Right. Yeah. Casting our crowns. Casting. I'm going to sing again. (laughs) That's enough. That's enough singing. (laughs) All right. And then in this, so there's all this stuff happening and the the saints are worshiping. And then there's a, there's a scroll. And a lamb standing as one slain. Yeah. Can you, can you describe for me what it looks like to stand as one slain? I have no idea. You want to act it out for me? (laughs) no i do not um so john is initially upset that no one can open the scroll he's weeping he wants this scroll to be opened and it turns out that that lamb who was slain is worthy worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for god yeah you know was it two three years ago maybe chris tomlin came out with the song is he worthy yeah that's a great one um I know a lot of people got really excited about it as a corporate worship song. I'm not feeling it that way. But just like reading this and then going to that song, mm. it's just so good. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Lamb does open the scroll and the seals begin to be broken. Mm-hmm. And every time a seal is broken, there's something that is happening and there's a conqueror and there's peace that is taken away and there's like inflation and there's death and there's all these things that are going on and you know meanwhile john is kind of watching all of this unfold and we get into this whole idea of like the hundred and forty four thousand, which is you know i don't know what it means yeah so here, here's yeah. what i would here's what i would say in this <laughs> sometimes what happens is there ends up being a, essentially Although there are more camps than can be counted when it comes to interpreting the book of Revelation. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, There are people who would call themselves literalist. Yes. And then there are people who would read it figuratively. Right. And what can oftentimes happen is the literalist is like, if you don't believe that there are actually scrolls with seals and that there are bowls containing wrath. Mm Mm-hmm in heaven right now, then you don't believe the Bible's true, mm-hmm. right? That's not the case, right? Uh, if someone was to say, no, the idea that God will pour his wrath out on the earth as he is redeeming the earth mm-hmm. is the truth. Yeah. Whether or not that wrath comes from a bowl mm-hmm. is really just a, a means of putting it into a way that we can receive it yeah. in our language, right? Yeah. And so... And so is there is there literally some bowls lined up in heaven containing wrath that are waiting to be poured out one after the other? Mm-hmm. Are these seals going to, to unfold 
in the same sort of chronology that they're in before. I don't even think that we can read Revelation in such a way that we see a perfect chronology, mm-hmm. right? It's not like a sort of it began here and it ended here. We see we see Satan torn down a couple of times. Yeah, I think in chapter twelve and nineteen or twenty. Yeah, he so. So it is kind of moving in and out and over and over again. And like I said, the point is to say mm-hmm. there, there, the earth has to first be disinfected before it can be rebuilt. Yeah. And that process of disinfection is destruction. Yeah. So whether or not one third of the earth is destroyed mm-hmm. to the point that it can be quantitatively proven, right. two thirds of the earth remained mm-hmm. is not the point. Right. The point is, there has to be a cleansing of this world from sin before God rebuilds things in its righteous order. Yeah, and if people are are concerned about that, that like this whole concept of like the literal reading and whatnot, like let's look back at other books of prophecy. Let's say Isaiah mm-hmm. or the other. Old Testament prophetic books that spoke of Christ, like Jesus Christ wasn't a literal shoot growing out of a, a tree stump. Right. Like that was figurative language. Right. And you're right. not, you're not, you're not failing to have faith in the authority of scripture because you understand that that's an image describing something. Right. Right. So like everybody just needs to cool their jets a little bit. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so that is not to say, that is not to say that I know 100% that it's that not. at the center of the earth, there are not locusts. Yeah, maybe. With the face of a man, the hair of a woman, the teeth of a lion, a scorpion stinger that will punish us in pain for five months. Mm. Or at least those who are not in Christ. Yeah. Awaiting that bowl to be tipped. Maybe. Probably not. Probably <laughs> probably represents something else, but maybe. But the point... the point Apache from, helicopters, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other group. The other group is like, no. Helicopters. The other group is, is yeah, so so there is a version of literalism right. that would say John is seeing the future as it exists today. And doesn't know how to describe it. But doesn't it. know how else to describe it. Right. Right? Um, and, and the Apache helicopter as the, the locusts I've heard before, too. Although Apache helicopters don't have the hair of a woman or the teeth of a lion or the face of a man or... Uh, scorpion's tail the bull, the guns are at the front I, I don't know uh, <laughs> it'll be a new helicopter it's, it's, in, <laughs> it's in production Bill the, Gates the is point of it all it. the point of it all <laughs> the point of it all is is God is going to do what God sets out to do right yes and and this is however figurative or literally it may be is beside the point mm-hmm. the point is the will of God has come to fruition Mm-hmm. to his glory and to the benefit of his people. Amen. Yeah. So we get the seals, we get the bulls, we get the trumpets. We get all of these things. We get a little scroll that John is eats. Tasty. Tastes good, but it makes his stomach upset. That's right. So, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, like we talked about how, like, if it's representative of this prophecy that he's receiving— it's like it, it's good. It tastes good that like the God's plan is coming to an end. But there's a sense in which like this is still a painful and difficult process, mm-hmm. right? Might set your stomach on edge. Sure. Um, the witnesses, the woman and the dragon. Ooh. Chapter twelve. Yeah. So the woman and the dragon. Woman gives birth to a child who will rule the world. Child is caught up to heaven before the dragon can devour it. And then Satan goes to war with Michael and is thrown out of heaven. And then the people sing. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Mm. Mm. The blood of the Lamb, mm. the finished work of Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. and the witness of the church. Yeah. How do we, and, and this isn't a hypothetical, right? Like this can come out as a hypothetical sort of like, how do we address the ills of this world? Mm-hmm. 
How do we bring all that is wrong to its right place? How do we conquer Satan? How do we conquer Satan? And then we could go off on a number of... The Bible says, no, from a, from a future perspective, in hindsight, says it will be done, and the way that it is done is not because the church threw this thing together. It was the blood of Christ mm-hmm. and the witness thereof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is amazing. I yesterday when he did this, I read the lyrics to a song. I don't have my phone with me, so I can't look it up again. Uh, but John Mark McMillan has a song called Ten Thousand, mm. and the refrain of the song depicts this moment. It, it sort of joins this with the marriage supper of the Lamb, and and it says. Um, it is talking about how all of all of earth is being reborn at this moment mm-hmm. and and it says there the the blood of a husband silences wars mm. for the girl who rises to meet him mm. and you just think about external and internal wars that we battle with all the time. Mm-hmm. And here we have the blood of a husband who silences wars for the girl who rises to meet him. And she sings, world, I've overcome you, world. I've overcome you, world. I've overcome by my song and the blood of a son. Mm. Pow. So good. So good. Yeah, I mean, from there, we there's the discussion about the beasts and their relationship to Satan and the wars they wage and the signs they perform and the number of the beast and all of these different things, right? There's angels mm-hmm. pronouncing judgment. and Yeah, and, and I want to park on this number of the beast thing a okay. little bit as well because when it comes to the things that we feel like we have to unlock, mm. none of them are more contentious than the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. And the number thereof. It is the number of a man calculated, Scripture says. Um, and so, and so here's here's what I have to say about this whole idea of the the mark of the beast. It is not. It is not that all of Christendom was saved by the cross, and the generation who are there at the end are saved by the cross and the avoidance of a potential mark, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They are still saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. And so this fear that we might accidentally take on a mark that would cost us our salvation is an unwarranted fear. Yep. It's an unwarranted fear that says, Christ's cross is not enough for me. Mm-hmm. There is also something I have to do, which actually is an avoidance of, but still a work of my own that I have to a- accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I'm terrified that I might accidentally not do that. And here's the other thing to that. The fear that non-believers might take the mark of the beast, I mean, they will. Right. Whatever that mark of the beast looks like, I mean, they certainly will. And so, like, being afraid of what it might be or how it might come, like, believers will not have the mark of the beast. Unbelievers will. Right. Whatever that looks like. Right. And and as this leads us into the the end where we start getting things into like like in, in chapter nineteen on, where we have the celeb the all of this is done, the cleansing is done, mm-hmm. and the saints join to Christ. Sometimes in our desire to crack the code, because we're anxious. People will talk in such a way as they would say, well, if we do this, we can stop it. Mm. You can't stop it. Yeah. It's the will of God. Mm-hmm. And when you read 19 on, why would you want to stop it? Right. Right? If, if, when, so when people talk about it, like this could potentially be the mark of the— It's always a U.S. president, right? Every U.S. president yeah, has the been Antichrist. the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the Pope? <laughs> uh, Alex said the other day, could you imagine if God tarries and there's a 666th U.S. president? What? That person is going to have it rough. Boom. Uh, <laughs> but but when we when we look at that and we think, like, oh, no, this, this person is going to be the Antichrist and this is why the Mark of the Beast lines up with them, we can't vote for them. Mm. Because if we do, then the Antichrist has come to power and we have to prevent the Antichrist from coming to power. That is nowhere in Scripture. 
Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that the church is in charge of preventing mm -hmm. the apocalypse. Yeah. It is telling us to be faithful until and through the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what happens on the backside, to be, to be perfectly fair, if I knew for a fact that any given Joe was the Antichrist and that all of this was about to unfold, I'd be like, buckle up, it's about to get crazy, mm -hmm. but bring it on. Yeah, it's going to get really good soon. It's going to get really bad, but mm -hmm. it's going to get really good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, not a, it's not a we have to prevent. Yeah, I know. I, I yeah, no, no, no. And, and it's interesting too, like, the, people's fear of this world falling, the world order that we experience now, right? I mean, yeah, there are people wailing over the fall of Babylon, but they're not the saints. Right. The saints are, are rejoicing in heaven at seeing the culmination of God's plan. Um, so, I mean, let that, let that be what it is, because once that happens, then there's the rider on the white horse, right? This picture of Christ that is like just super cool. Yeah. He's got like. Speaking of riders on the horse, there's okay. also the pale horse and the one who sat on it was death. Oh man. And Hades followed with it. Yeah, but you know that fired a number of that, heavy metal songs. That pale <laughs> actually means pale green. Really, in the Greek, yeah, pale green horse. Yeah. Oh man, a greenish kind of pale. Now I'm thinking of what countries have green flags. I guess you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Libya, Libya has. Let, a me, green. let me crack the code. Libya has a green flag. I don't know if it's pale green. Anyways, okay, let's. Yeah. let's and, and this, this like, it seems like we're throwing a lot of shade on code cracking. Yeah. The the point the point we're trying to make is I think you'll be surprised how much work it takes to read the book of Revelation as God's loving insight into how his plan of redemption that we have been reading up to this point will roughly culminate mm -hmm. versus the human nature in us that is so controlling that would be like, no, no, no. I can't move on from this until I know what that means. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think, and maybe that's just telling of my own heart that mm -hmm. I'm a control freak. Um, but to just read it as, and, and worship in it. Mm -hmm. But when you do, man, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And especially once we get to a thousand years, the defeat of Satan, there's a judgment right mm -hmm. for the throne where there's books open the books have the deeds of those who are standing before god but there's another book the book of life and for everyone whose name is written in it they are they're saved right and they enter into the promise of this new heaven and new earth the new jerusalem right yeah yeah highlights <coughs> pardon me um I think it's just the the reality of that new heaven and new earth, right? It's just the it's the the fact that the sufferings of this world, which you know we see pictured throughout this book of Revelation, the realities of of death and disease and destruction and famine and all of these things, will surely come to an end, right? And and when he says, you know, we will, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. The idea of living in that kind of world in the presence of an almighty God, in the presence of countless believers from across the ages and from every tribe, tongue and nation, living a life where we are finally living as we were created. Mm -hmm. right, to be in perfect communion with our creator and with one another and with nature and all those things. Um, that's just, that's exciting. To to be with Paul, like, I feel so much connection with Paul when he says the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. Like, even to the point that when I quote it, I just want to break down inside. Mm. To be at a place where we're just like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I I, I don't have guilt. I, I'm not battling internally or mm -hmm. externally. Mm -hmm. I'm in a good spot where I'm 
just worshiping God mm-hmm. in a real way mm. that I feel, um, man, mm-hmm. good times ahead. Yeah. I, I think for me, the highlight, we oftentimes put a lot of emphasis on memorizing the first verse of the Bible mm-hmm. in the beginning. I think we should spend more time encouraging people to remem- to memorize the last. Okay. And I would say the last two. He who testifies that uh, that these things say, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. Well, we made it. We did. <laughs> we, we have officially podcasted through the entire Bible. It's crazy. We even recorded it. Yeah. This time. We did this time. I uh, I've been really encouraged by the listeners who come in and and let us know that they're listening. Mhm. Yeah, the people Shocked have reached out. Yeah. To be to be fair, this kind of started as something that we thought would be helpful for maybe a handful of people mm-hmm. and that was going to be fun for us. Uh a side project kind of thing. Sure. That has literally become what we would have wanted in a best case scenario that it has become a way to do midweek Bible study mm-hmm. when churches don't really have that on their schedule anymore. Yeah. And to hear people encouraged by it has just been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not only in our church, but beyond. Yeah. Right. Which is just, uh, it's, it's encouraging. It's humbling. Yeah. And I would, I would encourage you get excited about 2021. Yeah. Um, our hope in, in 2021 is to podcast our way through the New City Catechism yeah. by Crossway. Uh, if you haven't got a copy already, you should do that, because by the time this airs, it's going to be the last week of December. Yeah. So I hope you had a good Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. And and Happy New Year to come. <laughs> uh, but that that is going to be a great—so that, that sort of walks us down the road. We've, we've gone through this deep dive biblically. Then we're going to do a theological dive. It's going to have some really great opportunities to ask theological questions, mm-hmm. give answers, in a way that not only is it beneficial for adults, but also taking to the family and yeah. sitting around the, the dinner table talking about it, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Excited for that. Looking yeah. forward to it. We came up with the idea maybe in June, <laughs> and I've been excited about it since June. Yeah. So go get a copy. Uh, thanks for listening. Not just today, but whenever you have. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next year. Take care, everybody. <laughs>